Good morning, everybody. I wanted to just quickly remind you, if you love B2B SaaS and you're loving all these CEOs I have on, remember, you can get all of their data in a big, beautiful spreadsheet at gitlatka.com. That's G-E-T-L-A-T-K-A.com. So I hope you're enjoying the month. I love December. I love the holidays. And here is our program for today. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Bob Gilbreth. He's the co-founder and CEO of Ahology, a data-driven social and influencer marketing company with clients like Nestle, Kraft, and Costco. He's the author of The Next Evolution of Marketing, uh, published by McGraw-Hill, and was named an Advertising Age Top 50 Marketer. He's got degrees from NYU and Duke. Bob, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right. Tell us what Ahology does and what's your revenue model. How do you make money? Uh, we may, I'd say the big picture of what we're doing is help large brands grow. And that's connecting them with seeing new trends in the marketplace, providing new content, usually from new voices such as influencers, and helping them reach those uh, consumers they're targeting on social media, which is where everybody's looking for ideas today. And we have multiple revenue methods. We we have a a self-serve software uh, for our trend tool. We also do campaign work where we're bringing in influencers, essentially try to work in whatever format the large marketers are uh, expecting and, and most comfortable with. Yeah, but I mean, so is this like a SaaS model or it's a paper yeah, campaign model or what? It's a, it's a mixture of SaaS and uh, uh, campaign models, kind of me- media product on the campaign side. Last year, split the revenue for me. What percent was was SaaS versus campaign? Um, it was about, uh, last year, about two thirds campaign, about a third SaaS. Okay, and generally, which one's trending up faster? Actually, more on the campaign side with influencer work. I mean, that's where we're seeing... Uh, you know, when you're able to do media, it's the revenue numbers are a lot higher. It's easier for the large brands, I think, are starting to get wary of SaaS and technology and making those kind of commitments to what they call non-working dollars. But on the media side, it's where they're putting their, their kind of they have to go get sales and that's where they, they have to have active media dollars. So that's where we're seeing that grow. We kind of are able to mix in our technology, but also deliver a guaranteed media result. So what's the average campaign? You know, Nestle comes to you. What are they paying for a campaign with you on average? Uh, it, uh, I mean, it can go 20 grand all the way to 250, 300 grand. I'd say average around uh, 50 to 70. Okay, fair enough. And this is that we should think about this like one time revenue, you have to go keep selling new customers every month to keep making money. It's not recurring. It's not recurring, but the relationships are recurring. So I'd say everything we're trying to do, it's, it's, uh, you know, we're getting SaaS like repetition, but with media style numbers. So kind of breaking a few rules, following a few of the other rules that we're seeing uh, out in the market. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, the reason I ask these questions, so I, I, one of my seed investors at my first company ran a very large agency and it would just always depress me when I read in the paper that they lost one account that accounted for 
20% of their revenue and they have to lay off a quarter of their staff. And it's like, you can't predict anything. You can't grow a business that way. Uh, do you have any customers that, that only one customer makes up, you know, more than 20 or 30% of your annual revenue? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't think anyone's over 10% of our customers. Okay. Got it. And, uh, I mean, the thing, and I, my previous company was an agency, you know, this is more, more you know, it's sort of technology and service, which we never had in the agency world. And, uh, you know, we're not billing people by the hours. It's by actual results. Yep. So what year did you launch the company in? Give us the history here. Uh, launched it almost five years ago. Uh, next month will be. And we started focused on kind of the SaaS part of our business, which was a Pinterest marketing optimization. And we saw a big opportunity there where large brands seeing uh, uh, the growth of Pinterest and it being a platform where content is actually uh, from advertisers makes Pinterest better. And so that was kind of like the starting point of our business. But we saw back then there'd be a big opportunity for us to grow beyond that Pinterest focus, using that as a way to get a foot in the door, but then go bigger into more content influencer marketing. So a couple of years ago is where we started launching our uh, influencer marketing product. And now that's it's on fire. And how many folks are on the team now to date? Uh, a little over 40. OK, 40. And have you, you bootstrapped the company or you raised capital? Uh, we've raised about $10 million over those uh, those years. So let me ask, let me ask you a question. It's rare that you hear a pure play agency raise capital, right? So like when you're, I'm curious, when you go into a funding discussion, how are you leaning towards your SaaS predictable revenue model? Cause you know, your valuation will be higher that way. Like how, what's the, how's that conversation sound like? Well, here's what the conversation is now. We're profitable and have great margins and I'm not fundraising right now. So it's almost, uh, at this point, the, the bootstrapping is happening. And what we're looking for now is it's not companies that are just kind of focused on a SaaS model. And uh, it's more of seeing the revenue model we have, the repeat business, the margins, the profitability, you know, uh, kind of the revenue rate we're getting at. So what do you mean the revenue rate you're getting at? Uh, we're you know, kind of over the $10 million a year rate right now. Oh, you mean in terms of just what you're doing annually? Yeah. So you think about exits. It's not it's not a pure play SaaS. At the same time, it's a great business. And, you know, as we look for partners and uh, if we did raise again, which we really don't have to, it'd be somebody who's not just going over the same SaaS playbook. Mm -hmm. So uh, fair to say, based on the numbers you gave earlier, about three million of the, of the 10 is SaaS based and the rest is really the agency work. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And, and, uh, th look, the reason I, I still want to go back to this question, because the reason I'm asking this is you've done something that I haven't come across before, which is raise capital when the majority of your business is agency. So there are people listening right now that have tried SaaS failed to get their first customer and they have gone to professional services and they have a million dollar agency and they're trying to scale a little SaaS business inside the agency. They can learn from you how you raise capital, right? I imagine your early days like that. So how did you raise? What do those conversations sound like? Yeah, I think the conversations are, you know, first of all, you, you say agency, never say the word agency, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, because it's not, I mean, again, having created and sold an agency myself before this business, uh, to WPP, I mean, it's just a different business model. So it's not either agency is charging by the hour. You have nothing differentiated. You have no technology. SaaS is you're charging by the month, uh, maybe, you know, yearly contract. It's software. Where we are is playing it somewhere in the middle. And the story is it's frankly the best of both worlds. It's where we're getting repeat business and relationships uh, and differentiation like software but we're getting the media dollars and the margins of media. And so, I mean, it's almost like we're, we're more closer to uh, a publisher doing native marketing than we are an agency. Um, 
example. So, yeah, but how does it, when the tough conversation comes up about, hey, uh, uh, you know, Bob, how much of the company are we going to get when we put in this $10 million? You have to come to evaluation. I assume the investors are going to try and beat you down and try and get the most they can. And you're going to say, no, look, we're not a pure SaaS play, but we have recurring revenue. Like we have the best of both worlds. So where do you go in the middle? Like, do you end up at like a 2X kind of multiple or a 1X or a 10X? I mean, how do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think the multiples you see in this kind of world, um, you know, I think one example is a, a quotient just bought a company called Crisp uh, a few months ago in our space. I think that was something like, you know, it's, it's always hard to tell, you know, the, the numbers aren't public uh, completely, but something like a six to seven X. Yeah. So it's really that, you know, it's the, the key difference for us. And six to seven X ARR. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one of the key differences, and I think what was talked about in their uh, um, product as well as was ours is having some kind of unique technology. It's not necessarily a SaaS that people are logging into every day. For us, it's a source of trend data that no one else in the market has. We've been building up this data for five years, and it allows us to get better margins. It allows us to help brands see where they should be going in terms of their campaigns. It's also something we're putting into programmatic media buying to get better results. I mean, literally, we can double or triple the social paid social results of any brand that we're working with just by applying this trend data that we have and using that in the creative process. So again, that's something that, you know, it's, it, it's real and it's different and it's unique and it's technology. Guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you host all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back-to-back meetings. I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also, they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay, at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. Helps me so much. And by the way, Look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings. Okay. I do them back to back. Very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay. So I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14 day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no, he's given us a 45 day free trial at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever. So go get it now. NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. What is your mixed gross margin out of curiosity? I assume it's lower than SaaS, but higher than agency. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather not get that deep into the business uh, here, but it's it's outstanding. I mean, it's... it's well, like, you, but come on, Bob, you can't say outstanding without giving me a range, right? Well, My audience is going to go, SaaS. Nathan, you can't let people... I'd hold it up against SaaS. Oh, you did? Okay. So you would say you would say it's, it's right in line with most SaaS companies. You got it. Okay, that's. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, and that's a mixture of both the value and the pricing, as well as what we're able to to do behind the scenes using our technology. We're, we're drinking our own Kool Aid. Yeah, well, look, I mean, mo- own, uh, <laughs> that's good. Look, mo- most SaaS companies are in that eighty five percent kind of gross margin range. So, if I mean, if you're in that range, but you have two thirds of your business as kind of an agency model, what it shows is the power of your software and your software's ability for you to keep your costs low by driving higher returns without adding people. You got it. Yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah, makes good sense. Interesting. Um, What's the weirdest thing you've done to acquire a customer? (laughs) Uh, 
Well, I think one thing that comes to my mind is uh, traipsing through the streets of New York City to meet to do a lunch and learn for a, a, a media agency who had a very specific restaurant that they wanted us to get their free lunch from. And uh, my first sales guy and I traipsed through uh, the streets of Manhattan in the summer sun to get that that special salads uh, for this meeting. What was the restaurant? Do you remember? Uh, I have no, I don't I have no memory. I think I blocked it out. <laughs> you just remember it was a pain in the butt to go get that very specific salad. And you just go, hey, this is the client, and this is how the world works, and I got to go uh, hustle and get them their their lunch, so I have the chance to to talk about our product. And then what happens at the lunch and learn? You bring them the salad and what? You get an hour of their time to have them eat and pitch? You got it. You get an hour of their time, uh, their attention, and uh, you know, at least uh, both. And I like at these meetings, it's both you know, market research for us and for me as a CEO as well as a chance to sell. That's hysterical. Okay. Um, you're sitting on a business that's growing really fast. Why in the hell would you take time to write a book? People say you just lose money and it's a painful process and it's not worth it. Well, I wrote it back in my agency days where a company called Bridge Worldwide, the one that we sold to WPP. What year did you sell that for, by the way? You know, we as an agency needed to stand. It was called uh, Bridge Worldwide. Uh, we sold to WPP. And uh, at the end of our earnout, we rolled it up into something that's now called Possible. Uh, you know, a big global digital. What year was that, though? Than WPP. Uh, we sold at end of 2005. And then uh, we had a five-year earnout on that. And Bob, is it fair to say that that was a meaningful financial event for you that freed up kind of your risk exposure for your next gig Definitely. being a Hology? Yeah, it was great. I mean, and during that time, we grew revenue from ten million to forty-five million. And the um, earnout period. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. We, we earned it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back back to the book. Yeah, it was during the agency. You know, it's really hard to differentiate yourself as an agency. Everybody does the same things, has the same kind of people. So we wanted to kind of put a stake in the ground of what we believed as a company. And this idea had been going through my head that why a digital business or agency was different is that we couldn't spend our time finding new ways to interrupt people. We had to find new ways to add to their lives. And that's really what I think is the, the disruption that's happening across advertising right now. People have more ways to block ads or ignore it. The only thing we're left to do to get a marketing message through is to actually add some value to their lives. And so I wrote the book, you know, basically nights and weekends over the process of about three years to kind of represent this idea, you know, kind of coin the term marketing with meaning, which became really what our agency was about and kind of gave us a little bit of something distinctive and different. And, you know, it is powerful when you walk into a CMO's office and throw down a, a book and, uh, uh, you know, show here's what we believe, here's where we're going. Now, why did you work with McGraw-Hill? Like, did they give you a big advance or why not self-publish? It was probably quicker and cheaper that way. Yeah, that's a, I could do another two hours on that one. But, uh, you know, really we wanted the uh, kind of the endorsement and the, the, the quality uh, message that would come from a, a traditional publisher. It was a long process. You know, we had to pitch it. We did get a, a, a payment from that which was nice and helped fund some of the marketing work. More, more or less than like 50 grand on the advance. It was, uh, I think it was like 40. Okay. So healthy. Back then, I don't know what the market is now. I haven't tried to sell a book lately. Uh, you know, it's different. And I'll tell you also having a, the book that was published has helped me get a lot of speaking engagements around the world. You charge for those or you do those free? I was able to do, doing a mix. I mean, some of it was, uh, you know, getting fees and travel expenses and some, you know, more where I could get in front of say clients, uh, to help pitch our company. Mm-hmm. Makes good sense, Bob. All right, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, Besides Innovator's, your own. Innovator's Dilemma. 
Innovators Dilemma, number number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, Jeff Bezos. Number, <laughs> everybody is. <laughs> everybody is. That's good. Number uh, number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like Acuity Scheduling? Uh, I mean, uh, lately, Lever is my favorite Spell online. L-E-V-E-R. Oh, okay. Which we use for uh, recruiting process and interviewing, which I'm doing a lot of lately. Okay. And uh, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh, I get I get full eight. I'm up at 5.45 to run every day, though. That's good. What's your situation? Married, single, have kids? Married uh, 21 years. Oh, wow. Two, two teenage daughters. And how old are you now? Uh, 45. All right. Last question. Take us back 25 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I think I would tell myself that it's okay to get a degree in economics and that would actually help uh, in my business career. I think today it's the, those liberal arts types of classes are, are more relevant than just getting a business degree way back then. There you guys have it from Bob. Had a successful exit to WPP, then jumped into his new company, Ahology, which is a nice blend of kind of about two thirds agency model with an average of $50,000 kind of campaign size uh, uh, sales. And then about one third SaaS. They're doing more than $10 million in annual revenue, about 40 people. He's hiring fast. Again, using their, their software that they built internally to make the rest of their systems more effective, which means less humans, higher margins, and faster scaling. Bob, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you.